Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. We're in a series called Refresh, and uh, this series is all about finding new strength and energy because we want to start the year off in a way that we hope that 2017 will be a fantastic year for all of us in terms of our growth in every area of our life in some way. So each week we're talking about a different area of our life. Last week we talked about work. This week we're talking about rest. So that means if the person falls asleep during my message today next to you, you don't have to elbow them because they're the first one to apply it. All right? I think one of the most profound places where rest is talked about is actually in the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to read one of the places where the Ten Commandments are listed. In Exodus 20, it says this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So, question. How many of you have violated this tenth, this of the Ten Commandments this last year? I've got my hand up because I had a couple of weeks, I've had a few week stretches where I've violated that. So we can all repent together and we can all feel good about moving on from there and learning today. Um, why don't we take this command more seriously? I mean, this command is right in the same all-important list as murder and adultery and stealing and lying and slandering and greed and envy. I mean, it's listed in the same set of commands. Sabbath is extremely important. It's critical. It affects our spiritual, our emotional, and our physical health. In fact, the, the root word for the word translated Sabbath actually means to, to, to be rested, to cease from busyness. I was talking to the staff this last week, uh, kind of jokingly joking about how inadequate I feel to talk to you about this today because I had just been on a two-and-a-half-week stretch without a day off, right? And I know what I'm talking to you about today works. I know it's healthy and good, but I don't always live it out like I want to. Anybody else like that in life? You know what's good, you know what's healthy, you don't always live it out. I mean, what is it? There's, there's a number of things that sometimes get in the way of this, right? I mean, just bus- busyness encroaches in life. And, and, and even though I wish it weren't true, there, there are sometimes I notice in myself, and maybe you do too in yourself, that sometimes fear of failure seems to seep in and it, it causes me to drive too hard in life. But I think probably many times, maybe most of the times in our lives, it's really there's a lot of good things that we want to be a part of around us, and and that just kind of overtakes us, and we ended up pushing and violating good balance and health in our lives. Sometimes it's as simple as us wrestling with priorities and our schedule. We don't always know what to say no to, and we don't always know what to say yes to, and sometimes it's just simply a mistake. We miss on the estimate of how fast we can get something done, and we end up painting ourselves into a corner that pushes us past healthy balance of work and Sabbath rest in our lives. And then we just need to ask forgiveness of God and whoever else we have violated in that, and we just need to take time to refocus, don't we? Today's message, I suspect for many of us, will not be anything new. 
But it is one of those things that is a constant monitoring thing that we have to do and a constant reviewing thing that we have to do in our life so that we keep a good balance in this area, so that we stay living life replenished, well-rested, not living all the time on fumes in an empty tank. We all want to live in a more full place. So let's just pray and ask God to come to each and every single one of us here and just help our thoughts and our feelings and our, and our actions today go to a place that we can live this year more full, more rested, better. Lord, we thank you that that's exactly what you want. You wouldn't have given us this, this command for us to pay attention to this balance in our lives if it wasn't important. And we know, Lord, it's important. We know we so often let ourselves violate this. So, Lord, would you just come and just uh, reaffirm again to us how liberally and how generously you forgive us for this and how much you want us to live from a place of fullness and rest in our lives. And Lord, would you help direct our thoughts and our hearts and our feelings today that, that we would find a greater freedom and a greater sense of your presence to be able to live so much better in this this year. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find the Ten Commandments in two places. And while they're identical in the command, they actually end right after that differently. And each place ends differently. And I think it sheds for us some interesting light on the purpose, the why, for this commandment in our life. For example, in Exodus 20, it ends right after this commandment saying this, For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the Sabbath command ends by saying this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So, in each of these examples, it tells us a little bit who God is. In Exodus we see that, that it's really about who God is and who we are created in the image of God and the way creation is made. That Sabbath is about our health in our physical being and the health of our soul. And when we do not have Sabbath balance, we destroy our souls and we damage our bodies. We don't always think we do, but we do. Deuteronomy uh, ends the verse by saying it's all tied to how we trust God's salvation in our life. It's all about God's power to act for good on our behalf. Do we trust that he has that power? Do we trust that he has that intention to act for good on our behalf? It's all about our relationship and our trust with God. In one sense, this Sabbath declaration is a, is a declaration of freedom it's, uh, that we often overlook. And when we overlook it, we actually live being a slave to our need for success or we live being a slave to our desire for our materialistic values in our culture or maybe we are living as a slave to an employer who puts unreasonable demands on us and we're unwilling to deal with those unreasonable demands to keep us in balance or sometimes it's just simply we're a slave to other people's expectations, maybe even our parents from growing up that drive us to work so hard. 
Sabbath is about helping us enter into this place of living life really well rested. Even while we work hard, we live from a place of being well rested, the way God created us to live in a spiritual and a physical rhythm. And it's also a relational expression of our trust and dependence upon God. Now, what we don't often keep clearly defined, which is kind of a little bit of the focus of most of the rest of this message, is this, that we don't keep defined the Sabbath difference between our need for rest and our need for recreation and entertainment. Think about it this way. Vacations are great. How many of you have been on a lot of vacations, though, and you've gone and you've packed it full of lots of fun, entertaining, memorable experiences, and you come home saying, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Because you're so tired. There is a need for that in our lives. But Sabbath rest is a soul thing. So in a sense, the question we're trying to address today is what is the condition of your soul? Are you living on full? Or are you constantly running on a quarter tank or running on fumes in your soul? And because we don't understand the distinction and understanding the difference between rest and recreation, we often find ourselves in the place where we're living our life where our passion for work, our passion for our spouse, our passion for God, our passion for life is all a little bit numbed. Because we're running so hard, pressing so hard for work, and pressing so hard for entertainment, we think entertainment should solve the problem. But it doesn't. And it leaves us with this only with this temporary distraction and instead of really filling us up. And Monday comes and we find ourselves quickly back to that place of being dry in our soul, even though we may have had a couple days off, right? Now, what I'm not saying today, I'm not saying you can't have recreation and entertainment as part of like a Sabbath day if you take a rest. But I am saying this. Too often we equate whatever Sabbath time we take with recreation and we truly don't replenish our souls when we do that. How is the condition of your soul? See, most of our problems at the soul level, even at the physical level, are caused or made worse by us moving too fast, too hard, too long through life. Let me give you just two examples. Most of the problems of marriage are caused by us moving too fast, too long, too hard, right? It's hard to be intimate and friendly in a marriage or even just with a friend or a family member. It's hard to be intimate and friendly when we just run past each other in a perpetual state of chaos. It's a constant battle to keep our soul and our relationships solid. I know, I mean, I've got three kids, right, you know? And we're beginning to see the end of the light of the parenting tunnel with 18 months from now, our kid, our youngest is going to go to college. And, but for the past 18 years or so, it's been a fight to have one night a week with everyone home and no one working or every now and then find a day when there's no one that has to go anywhere, Right? You understand that. You've experienced that too. Add to that the chaos of ministry hours and and the fact that my wife works four jobs while we're trying to get our kids through college. And and, and we're a lot like you. There are times where when she and I are together, if we're not careful, it all becomes about problem solving. It becomes about who's doing what, getting whom to where, and what we need to decide to keep the ball rolling on the home front and the work front. And 
But intimacy requires what? It requires regular unhurried times of conversation that aren't all about work and time management at home and at work. Think about this. Most of our problems in our money, our finances, come because we're running too hard, too long, too fast. Think about some of the biggest money mistakes you've made in your life. Maybe it was buying the wrong house or making the wrong deal somewhere or whatever it was. Whatever bad purchase you made. Wasn't part of that bad purchase in a lot of instances because of not researching it well enough? Which is what? A lack of time, right? Or maybe you bought something compulsively that, uh, because you were exhausted and you wanted something to make you feel better and all of a sudden it puts a little financial pressure in your life and, and it even causes fights, right, uh, among your family members. You start saying, why did you buy that tool or toy? Why did we book this vacation together? Why did, we, why did you buy those shoes or those clothes? And we have fights over this. Or when we're running too hard, too fast, too long, we tend to eat out more, Right? And we undermine a healthy budget, not achieving either the priorities we have financially for ourselves or even health-wise. Why? Because when we're tired, food is too often comfort to us, and we end up numbing our soul by filling our stomachs, right? I know I want to achieve a place of greater consistency in the Sabbath rest in my life. And I suspect many of you do too as well. So today we're going to spend time focusing on living in that place of the Sabbath rest by looking at two habits that overlap each other. And then we'll close by talking about one perspective change that I think will help us all enter into rest and find it more. Years ago there was, a, there was an author and a pastor named John Ortberg who was burning out. Uh, he was just working too hard, exhausted, weary, wanted to give it all up, tired, discouraged. And he called his mentor, Dallas Withered, kind of a good mentor to have since he was one of the most famous Christian authors of last century, right? And he gets on the phone with him and says, Dallas, I'm, I'm, he just tells him how tired he is and how depleted he is. And he says, what can I do to refresh my soul? And what can I do to recover a sense of passion because I am just dead inside? And Dallas, without hesitation, said this. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So on the other end of the phone, John writes that down. He's a good student. You know, he's, okay, I got that one. And, and knowing there has to be more, spirit to the, you know, more spiritual practices, more wise words from him, he, he says, okay, now, what else do I need to do? And there's a long pause on the phone. And Dallas comes back eventually and says, there is nothing else. So our first habit to revive our soul and live in rest is simply this. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I mean, hurry was so normal for John, and it's normal for most of us. We don't even realize we're doing it. We are hurry sick. Think about it. We're always looking for faster, more efficient ways to do everything, to get things done. We get behind a slow Sunday driver, as my dad used to disdainfully say. And we honk the horn, we complain, we hit the steering wheel, we grunt and groan, even in front of our kids, saying, come on, can't you go any faster? Okay, so we're, I'm in the repentance mood today, so I'm going to tell you, I struggle with that on the way to New Albany School, the traffic circle by Fodor and uh, on Fodor right there by Kroger. I just can't stand on the way to school and we're running behind and somebody doesn't know you can get in there and keep the traffic flow going. I, Jared can attest to that. No one likes slow internet speeds, right? 
We complain. Everybody upgrades their electronics on a regular basis. Why? Because we can't stand slow. We get sick and instead of going to the regular doc, we go to the Minute Clinic at Walgreens, right? And we certainly don't like McDonald's because the food is cheap and we don't like it because the food is great. We like it because of the 60-second commitment to getting us our food. It's fast food. Think about this. Isn't it kind of amazing that years ago you used to walk into a restaurant that was deemed too slow, so now you have a drive through so everybody can eat their meal, your whole family can eat their meal in the minivan as God intended, right? <laughs> Growing up working on farms, uh, I grew up working on farms, and, and I worked my way through college working UPS. Everything was fast. Time was money. If you can run, you run. You learn to discipline every single moment, not to waste the time. They taught us when we were teaching us how to drive. They said, we want you, from the time you hit the steps to the time you're actually moving in the vehicle, we want it to be less than three seconds. And they taught us efficiency of every single motion. And I love that. I was a physical, really competitive person. I love that kind of work. But I still find myself today getting out of the car, walking into the store, and I walk 10 to 20 feet in front of my family going somewhere. Wendy and I go on walks and, uh, you know, she's got her hand on my arm and every now and then we'll be out on a walk and she'll, almost every time we go, she'll say, could you just slow down? We're not, we're not trying to get anywhere fast right now. It's all about hurry in our lives. We hurry. We skim over relationships and we skim over our souls as well. What are the things that cause you to hurry? Is it the pressure of finances? Is it the need to push to make more to support what you've already spent, much less get to your future goals that cause you to hurry? Is it, or is it the drive for fun that makes you hurry? So in the summer, you go to the lake, you take the boat, you take the skis, and you go, go, go all day until you're beat. And then you get home. Never taking the time to eliminate the hurry and just notice life around you. See, God says rest can be found in creation, noticing the rhythms of life, the, the lapping of the waves, the sound of the thunder, the taps of the rain, the sound of the birds, the shadows on the mountains. And that can help reorient our minds and our heart toward God and our Creator and encountering Him and trusting how big He is and allowing our hearts to let go of that hurry. When's the last time you let go of the press of all of the to-dos in your life from work to shopping to repairs and cleaning around the house, even the press to make meaningful moments with those you love and just unhurriedly noticed life? See, Sabbath is learning to live an unhurried life even in the pace of things. It's not just about one day a week. It is that, but it's more than that. I mean, in the car, think about this. In the car, if you always have a lead foot on the gas pedal trying to go faster, it does what? Uses up more fuel. You get to empty, empty faster. Hurry decreases your range, and it wears your engine out faster. The same is true for our souls. So, Ross, you're just telling me to, you know, stop and smell the roses, right? No. I'm telling you to stop and touch the roses and look at them and smell them and experience them 
and allow them to help you recognize the God who created all things, who holds all things together, who loves to bring beauty even in the smallest things of life, and he loves you most of all. See, some of eliminating hurry from our life is is eliminating some things entirely from our schedule and our calendar. But much of eliminating hurry from our life is eliminating the interior pressure we feel to just get done with this and on to the next thing and learn to be able to to live fully present in the moment we're in right then. See, let's look at this a little bit more deeply. Luke 5, we see Jesus' public ministry skyrocketing. It's near the pinnacle of his popularity. He's doing amazing miracles. He's just gotten done healing a man of leprosy. And the text says this. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So picture this. Jesus doing all these amazing things. People sick, alienated from their families, dying. He's healing them. He's, he's preaching to them about God and forgiveness. And, and, and the crowds are bursting at the seams, just continuing to grow like crazy. Okay, let's step back and put that in your context of your business. You have customers coming to your business in long lines. They're lining up. They're begging to buy your product. You've never even seen these kinds of lines coming, trying to compete to get in to see you and buy what you are offering. If that were happening to you, what would you be doing? You'd be raising prices because we're all good capitalists, right? Supply and demand. But you'd also be staying and working as long as you could to make as much money as you could because it's an opportunity. And what do you do? You seize opportunities. Why? Because things might change. And the opportunity might be lost. So your business goes into a growth boom. And you just work harder and longer and faster. But what does Jesus do? The crowds got bigger more people wanting to heal them. And this particular text doesn't even say he did heal them. They were there wanting to be healed, and it doesn't say he did that. What did he do? He sees the thousands of people lining up outside of his business, and he's not worried about good customer service. He's not worried about losing them to someone else. Jesus withdraws regularly, intentionally eliminates hurry. See, Jesus doesn't let somebody else's emergency become his emergency because he knows the rhythm that God has called us to. So he withdraws to pray and replenish. And then look what happens. When we come right out of the text, right into the next verse, it says this. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and they had come from every village in Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. The crowds are still there continuing to grow. And what else is there? The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. See, one of the big purposes of the regular Sabbath pattern in our life is to build two things into our life. The first is a deep trust in God, to trust Him more than what we are pursuing through our careers and our work for success, and to connect as well to the very power of God, And live in that power of God. 
See, if you're in a place where you feel like you're dry or distant in your relationship or you're living and your tank is on empty in your soul, one likely reason, probably, probably a very likely reason, given our culture and who we are, is that we're not practicing Sabbath. You're working hard out of balance rather than trusting Jesus. And as a result, you are working in your own power rather than fully in God's power. All of us, me, you, every single one of us, has to watch out for this. There's always more need. There's always more opportunity. Even in the face of that need and opportunity, Jesus models Sabbath as being unhurried and withdrawing regularly. See, it's actually a radical declaration on your part that God owns your business and God is the one in control of your work success to regularly walk away and refuse to live life hurried. So our first habit is eliminating hurry through a combination of eliminating things from your schedule, withdrawing regularly, and learning to live in the present moment instead of always emotionally and in our thoughts trying to hurry to the next thing. But that brings us to the second of our overlapping habits that help us experience this full sense of God's rest and replenishment for our souls. See, all too often at the end of a a day off, I get to it and I just say, well, it's just a day off. It's not a day of rest because I still keep busy. We spend time with family and friends doing chores, doing social activities, or we actually have another kind of busy that we actually don't really pay attention to and realize what it is in our lives. We're actually by ourselves laying on a couch, watching movie after movie, sports game after sports game, posting on Facebook, playing video games and reading novels. You may be sedentary for an entire day, but your soul still isn't rested, stronger, or filled up. See, Jesus' habit of getting away wasn't just relaxation and distraction. It was, what did Jesus say? Withdrawing to lonely places to pray. This is this habit we often call the habit of solitude. Psalm 23 describes this withdrawing and how God restores our soul through this in more than a way that just medicates it and leaves, leaves us feeling that same way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. See, the primary work of soul restoration to refill you, to live in a place of rested fullness is the work of God's Spirit. He makes. He leads. He restores, refreshes. See, this doesn't happen through a crash workout to get in shape and get more energy. It doesn't happen through a better diet and eating healthier so that we feel better. As good as both of those things are, it doesn't, it doesn't even help, help happen through going to see a good counselor, even though counseling is something really good that healthy people do when they need some support. Only God can heal and restore and fill up your soul. Only God can bring completeness of rest to your being so that we can live life, even in the busy pace of life, unhurried in the present from a place of fullness. Solitude is not sitting alone, surfing the net, watching a movie, tweeting and posting on Facebook. Solitude is taking time and space to be alone with God. And primarily it involves an agenda of reading the Bible or some other Christian literature, prayer, meditation, and reflection. Letting your thoughts and God's thoughts 
interact freely. See, anyone here feel like you could use a few days like that? A day, a day or two like that? Where do you go regularly to restore your soul with solitude? Is it a hike by yourself in the woods where you talk to God or, or listen to worship music and think about Him? Is it running, thinking and praying? Is it, is it sitting on your back deck reading the Bible or something else, the, the Christian literature and helping your thoughts think about God? Is it, is it sitting in your recliner with a good hot drink? Where do you go for a few minutes on a regular basis? How do you spend your day off? Does your day off include some intentional solitude? Again, I'm not saying the practice of a weekly Sabbath day is is completely about solitude. It can be and probably should include some recreation and some entertainment and some other things. But too often our days off are full of distraction and we have no true solitude. But solitude and Sabbath aren't just about a complete day off, an extended time away. It is that, and we do need that in our lives. But it also needs to include simpler and more regular moments than just that weekly day off. Especially, I mean, think about it. If you're a single parent, where do you go to find solitude? If you're a parent of preschool kids, how do you ever get time alone? I remember a couple years ago, uh, some parents of preschoolers were just going, the only time I get time alone is in the bathroom. And that lasts about 10 seconds before somebody's knocking on the door or somebody's pulling somebody's hair, taking somebody's toy, and there's a crying going on. and, and, And where do I get time alone for solitude? For you especially, but for all of us, I think it starts by us looking at our days differently. All of us have these lonely times throughout each of our days. Even if they're just a brief moment spread out throughout the whole day. I realized about a month ago that I wasn't doing really well on this habit. I needed to pay more attention to it. I was allowing myself to go to a place of constant distraction, news, Facebook, you know, pulling out the phone, TV documentaries and work and all that stuff. So I started to more frequently leave my home leave my phone somewhere else in the house where I wasn't going to be. In fact, I had an odd experience. I left the house twice, t- twice without my phone. And I felt naked. <laughs> felt like I left something really important at home. Sometimes I sit in the car in the garage with the door closed for a minute or two before coming in the house in silence. And intentionally, having an intentional moment where either I'm praying or or I may be speaking to God about the stress I want to leave there before I go into the house. or, Or I'm just breathing and relaxing for just a second, thinking of the goodness of God. I turn the radio off more in the car so that I can have some solitude with God. Sometimes solitude looks like me stepping away from my computer while I'm working just for a minute or two, and I I look out the window and I take some time to examine my emotions and my attitudes and my thoughts, and and I just look out the window at at the wind and the trees and just think of God's goodness in that moment. When everyone else is busy somewhere else in the house, sometimes I, I, I just focus on no mind work with some prayerful thoughts like folding clothes or washing dishes that doesn't take anything. And instead of doing something else to distract myself, I turn it into a moment of solitude with God. It's even as simple as on Sunday mornings, arriving at church some Sunday mornings, I get out of my car and as I'm walking in, I, I just let myself have a moment where I let go of all the pressure of the day that's about to start. And I just take a moment without even stopping 
just take a moment to look at the woods and the, the pond and the beautiful um, fountain that Lance put in the pond. And I just, I just think for a minute about the sounds around me. And, and this is God. This is his work. This is not my work. This is his moment, not my moment. See, lonely places, solitude, need not be scary places for us. They can become a beautiful place of discovering God and of worshiping God and how he wants to take care of what's going on inside of you and me and replenish you and me. We need daily, weekly, yearly rhythms for how we engage this kind of rest with God, this solitude with God. So where's God speaking to you about changing the rhythm of your life so that this can happen? Third and finally, a perspective change on how we enter into that place of fullness and rest in our souls. We tend to live life, I think, believing that work accomplishments lead us to rest. If I just make this sale, if I just get this promotion, I can go on vacation more and have more rest in my life. Or I can pay to have the lawn done, or I can pay to have my house clean, and I can have a better rest balance in my life. And we tend to think in all of life that our work accomplishment leads us to rest. But that mindset, even though common, isn't working for most of us, is it? I mean... Just one study says that on the average year, the last few years, Americans have 300 million unused vacation days. We don't take vacation while others take it so that when they come back, we can be on the top of the sales board or we can have worked harder and accomplished more so we get the promotion. Work is our God. Being busy is our badge of honor. The way we approach work is that work and accomplishment lead us into rest, but it doesn't work. And the reality is we tend to approach Sabbath with that same mindset as something we need to do to accomplish, to succeed at in order to earn and get into a place of rest. And we feel guilt about it when this topic comes up. Over Christmas, I was just sitting on the couch with my daughter and uh, while she's home from college. And out of the blue one day, Elise said, she said, she said, you know, Dad, while I understand the cost savings of having churches like we have today, just, just plain walls, nothing too fancy, highly functional, I often wish we had churches like the old cathedrals. And then she went on to reminisce about a trip we made a couple of years ago and saw the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. And she said, there's just something about being in a place like that that's so beautiful, it's so grand, it inspires an encounter with God. Isn't that true? Now, by saying that, I'm not trying to give you another method for connecting with God, like you need to go to a cathedral to connect with God, like you can connect with God in creation. That's not the point. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm certainly not encouraging you to go to another church that's in a cathedral either. The point that I'm trying to make is this. It's more of a heart and a perspective change on how we find rest. When you enter a sacred space like Notre Dame in Europe, it took 200 years to build it. And it's been around for a thousand years. Your eyes go up and your voice goes down. It's as if you entered this special sacred place, a place of someone we are to revere. revere. See, rest is something you enter into. It's like entering into a great cathedral and you have that moment of that experience. 
For most of us, when we hear a message about Sabbath and solitudes, and, and it comes with, you know, we need to spend more time in the Bible and pray is all the feeling. We go to this place of guilt and pressure. Why? Because we hear as our default, when we hear that, we, we go to this place of saying, I'm, I'm not performing good enough for God. I'm not working hard enough. I need to be more disciplined in order. And we don't say it this way, but, but what's going on in our heart is we say we need to be more disciplined in order to merit God's presence, His refreshing and His power. We need to please Him in order to receive that. Rest. The presence of God is not something we work hard for. It's something we enter into. Our work accomplishments don't lead us to rest. Rest is already there in God. We just enter in. This idea of entering into rest is actually at the heart of the gospel. Think about it. Our guilt and pressure when we talk about um, Sabbath and solitude and Bible meditation, all that stuff is actually a warning sign to us. It's a warning sign that we still have messages running around in our hearts and our minds that are counter to the gospel. We are still trying to earn stuff, trying to accomplish stuff so that we can enter into the rest and presence and power of God because we still believe that it is our accomplishments that lead us to rest and fullness in God. But the gospel is you don't work for your salvation. You enter into the gift of salvation. Our accomplishments don't earn our ability to walk in God's good works for our life. What does the text says? What does the Bible say? It says we enter into what God has already prepared in advance for us to step into when we follow Him. Rest is what Jesus has already secured for us through His saving work and is eagerly pleased to give us it when we simply have to learn how to allow ourselves to enter into it. We enter into rest. Our problem is we fly right by all those entering in moments in our lives because we are too focused on hurrying everything, getting whatever we have done so we can get to the next thing. We hurry at the pace until we crash and then we're so exhausted that we don't want to do anything. So we distract ourselves. Frankly, not even fully enjoying in those moments the entertainment and the fun that God, to the level that God wants us to enjoy those things. And because we skip over those moments that we could enter into that rest and be filled up, we walk right through them and we never let our eyes go up and we never let our heart or our voices go down just to rest in His bigness and beauty all throughout the day. See, we miss seeing the beauty and power of God in the clouds as they send the rain and they demonstrate power that is uncontrollable and yet provides for us so regularly and faithfully. We miss seeing the squirrel and and the bird and understanding how God cares for even the smallest, simplest thing and allowing that to be a moment of Him refreshing us. The encounters of God and creation fly right by us every day. We even miss enjoying and encountering God in our music so much. Even if we listen to worship music a lot of times, we we miss encountering God in that moment because we play the music to keep us pumped up, to drive us through what we're doing and keep us motivated in what we're doing, right? We miss connecting with God by soaking in the power of the sunshine as it comes through our office window and hits us in the chair and just recognizing for just a second in the midst of our busy day that God provides for all that we have. 
We miss even entering into God's presence in church worship all too often when we come to church because we're here trying to figure out, do we really like this? Do we want to be a part of this? What can we get out of this? We're so focused on trying to get something meaningful out of it that we forget that it's a time just to enter in to God's presence and rest in who He is. See, God is inviting us all to a place of working hard and living rested and full. God is inviting us to all strengthen our experience of the Sabbath so that we, we like Jesus, return to, good, uh, to the good that he wants us to do while we're working in his power and his energy, not just our own. Sabbath is learning to live life rested, full of the energy and strength of God. And it's a command, not a request. What are the decisions we need to make to refocus our own lives on Sabbath? What does that mean for you? Maybe, maybe it means for you building in or simply seizing or repurposing some intentional moments of entering in as you drive, as you walk, as you sit, as you see creation around you. Maybe it means putting your phones away more for a period of time or, or staying off Facebook more, limiting the time you're on there. Maybe it means changing your perspective of that moment you get to experience the traffic snarled because of an accident on the way to work and you know you're going to be 20 minutes late and instead of getting all anxious, you turn that alone time into a moment of solitude where you actually replenish with God in that moment. Maybe it's deciding that when you're running on empty in life that coming to worship at church is one of the first priorities, not the first thing to go because you enter in to the presence of God together with other people and find that rest. Maybe it's ensuring that you do indeed have one day a week where it is Sabbath for you and your family. Or maybe it's just the practice of letting go of the hurriedness, just being fully present in the moment. Would you stand with me as we continue to worship? And Lord, I just ask that you would come and you'd continue to come to each one of us. This is such a strong desire of your heart, good desire of your heart for us. And Lord... To be honest, we all desire this too. There isn't any one of us here who doesn't desire to live from a place of fullness. And and it's so tiring to live life half empty or even on fumes so often. So I thank you for your gracious forgiveness for us in violating your command. but, But also, Lord, thank you that you send your spirit to us. And even now, even in the midst of what's going on now and this week, that you are going to teach us and draw us by your spirit to step more into these moments with you, to allow your spirit to come and fill us, even in the midst of the busyness. So, Lord, come by your spirit and do that good work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest's podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org.